adversity, bring it. The struggle, we welcome it. Snooze on life, never that. We are Dave Regina and Mike Perella, and this is the No Snooze Podcast. Come on. back to uh, the No Snooze podcast. We're on Epi 5. Yes. Epi 5. Official Epi 5. It's and, a big And uh, it's a big number for me because my brother just had uh, his first son and he's Frank the Fifth. So five's a, a common number these days. He's a cute boy too. Yeah. Much Doesn't cuter, like much cuter now, than Uncle Mike, I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, it's messed up. <laughs> um, so we have some housekeeping stuff to get yes. right into. Yep. Uh, Let's talk about the, uh, the pod bod. The pod bod. Right? So there's three things that play into that pod bod. We have our, our push-up contest, yeah. which we have some breaking news. You want to give me a drum roll, please? I'm not happy about this. I one. have officially passed Michael Pirelli on the push-up app. So thank you. Start too. Thank you, PushFit. I am now climbing the ladder globally. Are you keep doing it, though? Until yeah, yeah. Until one. I'm number one, and then I'll sit at number one for a while. And then when you challenge me to something else, I think... You know, we'll maybe go in a different direction. Well, it's not over. So if you blow out a shoulder, yeah, or I know that's what you're hoping you for too. Pipe. You're waiting for me to just get injured, and then I know your plan, man. Uh, yeah. We also have the Fitbit walking group. Tell them about that. So we started a little walking group. Uh, the only rule is you don't run. Uh, you can run if you want, but not in that group. We just want to do something manageable that you can uh, incorporate into your day. And I think Claudia, am I dominating that one? Am I in the first place? <laughs> no. Yep. No shade that way, CV. No shade. Um, so that's the walking one. Yep. I call it the walk king. What? <laughs> oh, the walk king. I yeah. like that. What did you say, Claudia? Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, and so just speaking of the pod bods, we had to really make it official because all the epis are now going to be up on YouTube. Yes. So if we're out here looking sloppy, that's going to yeah. be a problem. Yeah. So, so it's just about 2020 and just being tight. Yeah. Got to right? get tighter. Get right that's- and get tight. Uh, we had that TV show, too. Let's talk about that quick. Yeah. So there is a uh, producer reached out to me, a really good guy, and he was looking for agents who had people that moved back home. So I submitted uh, a bunch of clients that bought back where they grew up, and Dave and Karina were one of them, and they got picked for the show, and uh, Dana and I also got picked for the show as an episode, and I'm an agent on the show, so I'm representing them in episode six or whatever it's Mm going to be. Uh, So this weekend we shot. It was fun. It was really fun. (laughs) Did you think of what what a... Did you... Were you surprised by anything or was it what you expected? So I was surprised that there was only four of them that showed up. Yeah. But what they did was incredible. They had drones all over the place. The equipment was amazing. CV, you would have felt right at home because all of this stuff was like top-notch equipment. Yeah, it was good. Um, But at first, when they just got out of the car, I was like, where is everything? And then they started pulling out the drones, all the equipment. So it was a really fun experience, but I think the producer said it best. We were like, wow, we're tired. We're tired. And he said the... What he feels is that TV is a different type of energy. Mm. Like everybody does a nine to five, a 10 to six, whatever. The hours were the same. We just filmed for a day straight, but the energy was incredible. It was something that I haven't tapped into. Yeah, uh, and then you take, ahead. you do takes also. So you, yes. like, you crush a take and then they're like, all right, I like what you said there, but I want you to say this. So you have to redo it. Well, I think they might've said that to you, but they were calling us the one take <laughs> wonder. Well, so I, was I didn't have, I didn't have <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool though. Cause you're going to be in two episodes. So we'll keep everybody updated when that comes yeah. out, but that, that's pretty exciting. Um, all right, man. So this is Epi five and this is a big one because 
we are introducing our first guest. We felt that you guys got to know us in the first four episodes, so we thought it was right that we would bring in not only a great friend, but a mentor and uh, someone who is fully committed on his own journey of not snoozing on life. So we want to introduce James McLeod. This man really is a force of positivity. James is dedicated to shaping bodies and minds through self-love and inclusivity. Growing up with vitiligo, James overcame great adversity and bullying. He now shares his story as a motivational speaker, social influencer, personal trainer, and author. You can find him at local schools, youth programs, churches, and on social media, inspiring others. James released his first children's book, The Boy Behind the Face, and has been featured in global fashion magazine, CR Fashion Book. As a young boy, James was determined not to let bullying define who he is. Now James has dedicated his life to supporting and inspiring others to overcome their insecurities and fears. Welcome to the pod. Yeah, man. Welcome. Oh, Thank you Very for nice. coming. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Lovely to be here. No snooze. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're yeah. one of the early adopters, so thank yes, you for that. You absolutely. jumped right on the bandwagon. Yeah, so full transparency, we had done something with James earlier when we were fitness and finance, yep. uh, but we wanted to take it a little bit further now and you know just introduce you guys to him and have him tell his story. It's interesting that we're finding that you know through adversity and the struggle, a lot of the time define who we are as people. I feel you fit that mold, and we definitely want to know more. So tell us about uh, you know your upbringing and how you kind of came up, James. Yeah, um, me, I grew up in small city in Westchester, you know, single parent household, uh, two siblings. Mother took care of us. Dad had a drug addiction in the early '80s, kind of affected our home. And growing up for me it was just wow, no father around, no father figure, not even teaching me how to become a young man kind of put put a toll on my life but not only that you know I grew up and I had a condition which was called vitiligo which left my left side of my face pitch white as a kid so I had a lot of challenges a lot of like a lot of struggling struggling growing up with vitiligo as well but um personally I mean just growing up was a fight you know my mom and my dad got, finally got a divorce in early 90s and um me personally I took a toll on me um even growing up going to school Kids would make fun of me, would say mean things to me every single day. I couldn't cope with that. Um, I did things to act out, to get attention in school. Going back to that, it's just like, wow, you know, to where I'm at now. But, um, you know, kids would say mean things to me, like who erased the other side of your face? You know, cow face, zebra face, skunk. Yeah, James, though, for those who are watching on YouTube, you know, visually they can see. But can you actually explain what vitiligo is? And when, when were you born with vitiligo? Did that come at a certain well, age? Tell yeah, I was diagnosed that. with vitiligo at the age of 18 months old. Wow. wow. And uh, vitiligo, you know, for me, it's, just a, it's an autoimmune disease that leaves small white blotches on your skin. And then 1.5% of the population in the world actually have vitiligo. You could fairly see it on my skin because I'm fairly dark skin. But for me, it was very challenging growing up with vitiligo. You know, I grew up most of my childhood thinking it was a birthmark. Yeah. You know, my mother told me it was a birthmark. Um, the only thing that's out there is like makeup or some laser treatment. You see a dermatologist for it. Yep. You know, um, my mother was like, hey, listen, we, she used to take me to like a hospital in grass. Like, it's, I think it was called Grasslands. And we'd go there. And I remember going to like dark rooms trying to get the shade of my complexion back. 
but we did a couple of treatments. Nothing never happened. Wasn't interested in it. In, in terms of those treatments, though, so you would go in a room to do what? Would they put just a dark? Just, it was just a dark room, just with light in there. Just light, really different shades of light. Yeah, and you know, I think I was so trying to reset the pigment or something. Yeah, the melatonin, the skin cells, or whatever. Um, I don't know too much about it. I mean, I was very young. Right, I, yeah, I had to be like true. five, six years old when yeah, I, yeah. doing that. But I remember being like eleven, and my mother there was a. Uh, makeup product came up called uh, Thermal Blend. My mother was like, "Hey, you know, we should try this." And I'm like, "Nah, nah, I'm not trying no makeup on my face." Wow. And that's pretty much. I just lived with vitiligo my entire life. And well, I didn't even know what vitiligo. Right. I thought it was Viltagio for a long time. <laughs> and we were talking before. And that's that's I the mean, Italian version. Naive, <laughs> but yeah, I thought you were Italian. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> Steve Viltagio is coming." Up. Um, but it's just that I met you and you educated me. Now I'm right. aware. Because uh, I didn't really see it at all. Mm-hmm. I would see people with some beauty right. marks, uh, but never knew what was the the, the right. reason. It's, so it's it, yeah, definitely it's not that. definitely not uh, life threatening. I mean, growing up for me, like I said, was school. Kids would thought they would catch. It was contagious. Kids wouldn't even shake my hand. Oh, kids wouldn't even play tag with me. Uh, they just thought I was like some boogeyman. <laughs> like you yeah, know, what yeah, saying wow. kids were like wow, like but it's you know it's not it's not life threatening. Um, it's just something with the autoimmune, and um, I'm only human. Um, no one's perfect, but I learned how to love myself at an early age, you know, um, growing. Not wanting to put makeup on, was that more because you loved yourself already or was that just, oh, I don't want to wear makeup because that's not Well, I do- first of all, our daughter was not cool putting makeup yeah. on, being yeah. somebody that I wasn't really. And then growing up, my mother taught me how to love myself no yeah. matter what, inside and out. And at an early age, being teased at an early age. Like I said, I have diagnosed with like at the age of eighteen months. I started school like around five, fifth, like five years old, and um, going to school, hearing all these mean names and bullying, and you know, I like had to tap into my own self. My mother used to always tell me, "You're beautiful no matter what," and just let it radiate. And I didn't know, I didn't know what that meant because, yeah. like, mom, like, what are you telling me? Are you telling me the truth? Because kids at schools is calling me different names. So what I learned how to do is look in the mirror at the age of like seven to eight. And I would say things like, to myself, the opposite of what kids would say to me. Like, oh, kids would call me cow face. I'm not a cow. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or kids would say, who erased the other side of your face? I would say it in the mirror. Mm-hmm. No, who, my, nothing wrong with my face. And I think by doing that daily kind of boosts my confidence right, at an early age. Yeah. yeah, boost my confidence. Just really kind of looking at my reflection and, the, and just looking at myself and like, listen, it's nothing wrong with me. Yeah. So I think at an early age, I learned how to embrace vitiligo. That's amazing, though. So you basically created, it, it was your own norm. By looking in the mirror every single day, I feel like some people would almost go the opposite route and be like, oh, I don't want to look in the mirror because yeah. I'm being bullied. So what you did, what mom did, was created you know, the confidence at a very early age, which is great. Uh, so clearly the bullying was something that you dealt with. Take us now through, you know, where, where you grew up and that lifestyle, I guess, from middle school in, into high school. Well, for me growing up, like I said, I grew up in a, a small city in, in Westchester County. And um, for me growing up, it was difficult because I wanted to fit in. I wanted to I wanted to be liked. And I, and I was different in my entire childhood. And I started hanging out with some friends that was, you know, selling drugs. And I thought, wow, wow, they're making fast money. They're cool kids on the block. I want to do the same thing. And... I started doing it. I started, you know, started mimicking off what my friends started doing. I started participating, and um, it caught up to me, you know. And then I got a cool name. They started calling me Half, you know. And it was just like, wow, I'm a part of the crew. I did anything to fit in. And, you know, I so, and I, the amount of drugs I would start selling in the street corner, 
got me placed in juvie for a while. You what know? age uh, was that, James? That had to be like twelve or thirteen. Wow. Twelve or thirteen, you know, you know, and you know, I, was, I remember going through the family court system, you know, getting the rain and you know, getting placed on probation for three years. And I'm telling myself, like, wow, this is like a life lesson. But, you know, you thought I would have learned from that. Didn't. Went back to my same community. Yeah. Started doing the same thing over. So now from what I'm hearing is that that confidence that you had as a young boy, it's still that was an internal thing in the home. But then when you stepped outside, you saw that, you know, selling drugs and making that quick buck kept you kind of relevant and cool to fit in is that, is absolutely, that right yeah yeah absolutely i thought just by selling drugs fitting in having swag having certain kind of clothes having jordans every time they came out that's going to give me that attraction and people's going to set me for who i am they were like yo that dude's cool man that dude's yeah. making a lot of money um but you know like and i that, said you know that name half too yeah i mean i that kind of sounds it sounds like a cool thing yeah, yeah. you know sitting back and just hearing it it, it, it sounds like something that you took that clearly, visually, everybody can see that. Mm-hmm. So now they made it a cool thing, yeah. which probably added, it. yeah, probably added to you now saying, "All right, like this." Yeah, is, it gave I'm me it boosts my it boosts my confidence like yeah, yeah, ten yeah. times out of everyone. I'm like, "Wow, yo, everybody's calling me half." And they had a little saying like, "Girls would say, baby, who that be? Oh, that's just half man." So it just kind of was like, wow. "Yo, wow. so wow. it was just I like yeah, yeah. saying for me, <laughs> right, right?" So right. it was like crazy. So I was just like, you know, making money, not even knowing at an early age, you know. My mother did the best she can do as a parent. Like, you know, you don't need to be on the street. You know, you need to be doing the right thing in life. She always gave me that word of wisdom. Mm-hmm. And I remember one time my mom actually, we, I was just running out of so, so out of control that she actually started like a march for kids at, at Trouble Youth, the, you know, doing a march for kids and like trying to take kids off the street and do the right thing. Wow. And I remember me and my brother being a part of that march, you know, and. You know, I got a lot out of that march, but, you know, we, we support, supported my mother, but it went back to the same street corner. Yeah. You know. Um, do you think if, and this is going off a little topic here, but do you think if you went back to uh, a different system or a different uh, lifestyle that you would have used all of your energy and all of your, your wanting to be accepted for something positive if the opportunity was there? From an earlier age. Yeah, like when you were younger. I think, you, you know, you, I think if, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, not going to point fingers at anyone. I think if my father was more available yeah. and not going to do what he was going to do and I had someone there to really teach me sports or just teach me how to ride a bike or just, more importantly, teach me how to be a, you know, a decent human being or become a, a man, man, you know, yeah. a young man I, and, I, and show I, responsibilities and value, you know. But yeah. just growing up the way I did, it was just happened so fast. And like my mother was dealing with me because I had vitiligo yeah. and I struggled with that and it messed up my, you know, learn, I had a learning disability, messed up my education and then not having my father available to, you know, to participate, to help out as a parent. It was like, whoa, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think I was just all over the place and just yeah. pretty much distracted. But I think if he was there, I think... Uh, life probably would have turned out would have probably been a little bit different but i think we all have struggles and we go through things in life for a reason be, right? for a reason yeah. I, so i you know i don't look at it as fault in anyone but i think i had i went through this for a reason and i yep. think that was just my my tests and my challenges that i went through and a little bit my hardships and and pull myself out of that you know yeah that's really good ed Milet, he always says life life happens for you not to you whether it's bad it's or it's good, good. So everything that's kind of happened, it didn't happen to you. It happened for you for a bigger reason. And I think your story plays right into that. In terms of, you know, becoming a young man, did you and your father not being around? I see it in my line of work now, how important, you know, community programs are and being active in your community. Did you have anything to kind of 
steer you in the right direction or were you just so influenced by the guys you know who were on the street but they kind of took care of you because you mm. were bringing back money to them mm. and then you saw that wow these are the guys that are actually taking care of me versus you know partaking in any programs and stuff um, well, I wouldn't say nobody really took care of me. I was kind of like, you know, how I started in the game. I got a wholesale. You know what I'm saying? I went to someone and said, listen, I need a wholesale. And the wholesale was just basically like, yo, getting on your feet. So it was basically like I was on my feet doing my own thing at an early age. And uh, really, yeah. Like, yes. 15, how, I mean, how old do you? I, doubt, I was probably like 12 or 13, really, wow. like ripping and running the streets. But we out, we in every community or any city community, we have a community center mm -hmm. where we all can go to right. and meet friends and, and get off the street and you have these programs. I had that too. But my thing was like, listen, I can do both. I can mm -hmm. be cool in the community center and play ball because I played a lot of ball. I played in a lot of CYO tournaments. Mm -hmm. was very athletic. Just never took full advantage of it. I never had no one pushing me to play sports. Gotcha. You know, um, but I can say one thing. I had one coach and I played CYO for one year and I had this one coach, and he was like, dude, like, you're a beast, and we're going to get you to the next level. And I remember we was in, like, in the lowest division. We like, Division D. And I played one year because my cousins convinced me to go play on the team with them. And the next following year, we got we shot all the way to Division B and CYO. So that was a huge deal. And the second year, I just kind of gave up. And I remember this one coach, his name was Ray. I don't remember his last name. He'll come on this to my city and come look for me on the streets because I was missing practices. I was too busy on hugging the block and being uh -huh. on the corner. I'm but pretty sure guy, I know Ray. It's a pretty yeah. good coach. I'm serious. What, what does he look like? He's a tall, tall white dude. Yeah. So he, I, I don't know if he just retired actually from Peekskill because he worked for the city for a really long time. So that's very interesting that you say that. Yeah. But he was always involved in Westchester basketball. So that is so funny that you well, mentioned Ray because I know who that is. And you must have been pretty good for him to come out and look for you. No one ever uh, came out and looked for me. Well, I played all play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting because we didn't practice in Pisco. We practiced in Camp Smith. Okay. Yeah, so we our, 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 homes, our home games was at Henry Hudson. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it was right. crazy. You know, it was it was a good time. You know, I played with some my cousin. I played with a few friends, few friends of mine, and um, it was great. But it wasn't. I, I wasn't motivated. I wasn't motivated to play basketball. I didn't have like that push, that hunger, shooting mm -hmm. hoops. But as a kid, me and my brother would, you know, he would be like Penny Hardaway, and I would be Scottie Pippen from the Bulls, and we'd nice. go to the middle school and shoot hoops and play ball and have fun with it. But just never took it that that. That real route, you know what I'm saying? Gotcha. Took it seriously, you know? It's got to be hard, too, because there's no results coming from it. Whereas if you do something else in the street, you're going to get immediate. immediate results and gratification right. and all that other good stuff. So I could say one thing. I took one thing from my father. My father was always into music. He, he was a DJ. He made a record. And as a kid, you know, I was fascinated by doing DJ. For, so I had my little quick burst of being a DJ for a little while in my teenage years. Um and I started DJing, and I, you know, I already had the name Half, so I applied DJ Half to it and kind of gave me a little bit more hype because I was doing all the high school parties, all the middle school parties. I was doing all the little dance. I was getting all the little private parties in the community or outside the community, next town's over. And it just gave me that more swagger to it, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Right. And then I just kind of got like, you know, just kind of lost the feel for it a little yep. bit and got out of it, you know, still was selling drugs to, you know, this time I violated my probation and then I was placed in juvie for like two years this time. Okay. So now we're jumping into high school yep. yeah. and you had the first offense mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you were kind of doing the right thing at some points, mm -hmm. but then ultimately chose to go back to that lifestyle. Right. So now we're in the high school years. You had already, I think you mentioned it quickly just now. But you said that you had a learning disability in school. Right, Is that correct? Right. That developed a lot. I, I think I was just 
they put me, they said, they said, hey, let's put him in special ed. You know, I had the condition. I had vitiligo. I mentioned it. And I think when I was in kindergarten, kids, like a big, like 40 kids in one class, kids would always just look, stare. Kids would notice, you know, kids didn't yeah. know better and, you know, make fun of me or just cry or tease. So I think they put me in a smaller group setting. So they right. classified me as put me in special ed. So I think wow. by going into special ed with a smaller group of kids versus 40 going to like group of seven kids right i just think and you know a lot of people have different challenges just far as just not just having learning disability people was mental disturbed or right. di- disabled and uh whatever um but i think i just kind of like got no attention just got taught whatever they was getting taught did you, you know? like school did you like academics did you like reading or anything like that i was never got a, a chance to really yours? learn i think i think i just never got a chance to learn i never got to really like Enjoy school. I always acted out. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I wanted attention. Mm-hmm. For, some, for some reason, every single day I went to school, I wanted attention. It, it got to the point, man, my mother told the principal at one time at elementary, listen, if you act up, you can check him. Wow. You know what I'm saying? It got to that point, you know, and my mom got sick or tired of coming into school and, like, yeah. picking me up. And there was one time, you know, maybe when I could I transfer different elementary schools, and there was one time when I went to a different elementary school, I kind of enjoyed school a little bit. It was never really for me. I don't, you know, yeah. I'm not, you know, yeah. uh, you know, it's not really for me. But as I got older, education is very important. Oh, of you know course, it's definitely course. very important. I mean, we'll, we'll get there. Right, this, right. I, you know, the whole story is yeah, gonna flip. Right, but so right. Take us through the, um, you know, through the high school years mm-hmm. and what that looked like for you. Well, high school years for me, when I got released from juvie after doing two years, I had another opportunity to go back to the high school. You know, you know, transitioning back to the high school was just wow. You know, they placed me back into tenth grade. You know, and I gave high school about six months. Work was too hard. It was very challenging for me. I just gave up. Never went back. I never went back. So I you, never went back. Wow. And I had teachers that was willing to help me, man. I had resource rooms. I had, like, you know, where you take your tests and you want to, you know, just, to, you know, help people learn a little bit better. I had the, I had the opportunities, you know, to, to actually, like, graduate high school. But I just gave up within six months. And I was like, this is not for me. I went back to my same community to sell drugs, um, you know. And did what I did, you know. Did any teachers try to follow you or try to come get you? Or was it once you're outside the school walls, it's kind of. Um, nah, not really. You know, yeah. you had teachers just like, you know, you gave up, you know. You just, I just it, gave up. I so. bet you they almost understood in a way. Yeah. You, you know, in, in a weird way, they probably thought like, okay, maybe James went on to a different school or something like that. Or, yeah. he, you know, he transferred yeah. out. Well, they didn't set him up for success. If you throw well, someone in special well, ed and they're yeah, not. Right. Well, everything was the thrown. the high school, right. it's like. Everything yeah. was, well, was not, against you. Right. Well, to go back a little bit, not to get off subject, but like, you know, prior to going to juvie, prior to getting arrested, you know, I was placed, I got kicked out of middle school. I was placed in alternative school mm. before I got, you know, incarcerated to go to juvie. Uh. And then I was actually, then from alternative school, this, I was so terrible in alternative school, they sent me to, to a, a residential center, which is in Children's Village. Wow, okay. I, I stayed in Children's Chil- Yeah, well. I stayed in Children's Village, and my mother, you know, I was so out of control. My mother put me actually on a PINS petition. Okay. And a PIN petition, which you go through the family court, you can't get in trouble for 90 days. If I get in trouble for 90 days, then they place me to, like, you know, to the system, to juvenile detention. And your mom had to sign off on this. She had to sign off on it. So that's how bad I was. Right. And once I turned a certain age, 
I, I, you know, I just left the Children's Village, you know, and then the whole transition going to juvie and then getting another opportunity to go back to high school mm-hmm. was just like, boom. Like. Well, it's amazing hearing your struggles, and I don't yeah. want to jump too far ahead, but hearing your struggles and knowing kind of the end game and right. seeing how everything connects and why, you know, you are who you are today. Yeah. So it's it's going to be interesting to hear the, the second half. It is. Um, but it's so there's a famous speech. I don't know if you ever heard. Steve Jobs did a commencement speech or a uh, graduation speech. And it basically the whole point of it is you don't know that, you know, what the dots mean when you look forward. But when you look back, they all connect. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, It's kind of a good way to look at life. And that's a great way to look at it. Absolutely. So, James, was there a moment, though, that this kind of all came to a head to where, you know, you you clearly weren't school wasn't for you. You didn't like the education. You were involved in in selling drugs. Was there a big moment where, like, you saw your whole life kind of crash in front of you? Well, I never really seen my life crashing. I just didn't know how to stop, you know. Um, but I seen that, you know, I was giving up. And uh, I was, you know, at the same time, I was being weak. And I didn't really want anything out of life, you know. And it got to the point my mother told me I can't live in the house unless I get a job or I'm going back to school. I left home. You know, I left home. I had an older girlfriend. I had to be like 16. She was like 25. Wow. I stayed in the projects with her for a long time um, till my mother got tired of that, came down to the projects with a baseball bat and like, listen, you got to get up out of here. Wow. But, um, yeah. Baseball bat. Yeah. Mom's yeah. the yeah. real Mom was like, deal. yo, listen, this is crazy. Like, yeah. you know, you don't get, got to get your life together. Do you remember but what she, kind of bat it was? Wood? Uh, it might have been wood. I think it was wood. Oh. I think it was wood. It might have been metal. I don't know. Listen, it might have been metal. Someone comes at me with a bat. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you so what style that bat was. But, you know, it was just like, it was that, you know, in them little moments. But, I remember running away from home, doing a lot of crazy things. But, um, but you know, like to go back, you know, when I gave up out of high school, I'm like, wow, there was really like nothing else to do but go back to the community and make money. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I went back to do what I did, but I did it on the higher scale. Yeah, I had to support myself. I'm out on my own. Um, and you were being successful in that world, right? Correct. Definitely. You kept yeah, moving yeah, up yeah, and yeah. moving up and moving up. Yeah, I kept you know rearing up, high, getting larger scale of a quantity of you know narcotics and um. You know, going on a bigger scale, selling drugs in my community, outside of my community, and, you know, just... Not to interrupt you, but when you were doing that, did you ever have that thought of, like, wow, I'm really doing well here? What if I did it, like, legitimately? What if I... I thought Did about it. Narrow? I thought about it. You know, I had homeboys that went legitimate, but yeah. still doing at the same time. Never uh, had one hand fully. in the pot, but one hand on a business, mm-hmm. barbershops, car wash, all crazy yeah. stuff. Because you have all this money, right? right. And like, right. what do you do with all the money? Because you can't, I mean, you could right. reinvest it right. in that, but it's really. I'll be honest with you, man. I was young. I was wild. Just I was reckless, man. I bought cars. I bought jewelry. I bought, you know, anything that was fascinating. I would party I, seven days a week, you know. Yeah. I dated any, you know, anyone i wanted to because i had i was in that world i had the money yeah and you You see these celebrities that like get uh very famous very quick and they get a hundred million dollars if i got a hundred million dollars when i was 16 i'd they'd be way worse than what is going in the news now right yeah yeah. so it's yeah i kind of have the visual of you at that age with all the money yeah but it's interesting though because there's still skill and again you know we're we're not condoning no anything like that but there are skills that relate to business you know so you could tell that you were very yeah so you could tell that you were very driven and maybe it was this business route which then ultimately leads us you know to where to where we're gonna go it's funny you say that because i had one guy i met in the bronx because i moved to the city and um this one guy he was in the rap industry 
And he was like, he see me at all these parties, at all these nightclubs. Like, dude, like the crew you hanging out with. Cause I, I didn't really hang out with people from my neighborhood no more. Cause I was like driving Bentleys, S550s, and everything else. So I started doing my own thing. I started, you know, I moved to the city. And this guy was like, yo, dude, the money you spend in the nightclub, Cristal, Don Perignon, dude, you can invest into something. Mm. So I remember one day he took me, he said, yo, listen, I'm going to meet up with you. And we went to the bank. He said, what do you want to do? I always wanted to do like party promotion because I was always into DJing. Mm-hmm. So I started my, I start, I started a company, was uh, half entertainment at the time, but it was no LLC. LLC was really unheard of. You mm-hmm. still had S course, C course, but I did a, a DBA, do business ass. Mm-hmm. And I went to the bank. He showed me how to do it. And I, I had my entertainment company. I started doing parties here and there, but I was never too serious with it. But he, someone did pull me to the side. Listen, you should start investing your money wisely into things like, you know, you can actually make money off her and get out the game, you know? Because the reason I ask is I th- a part of the thing I think of is a lot of people don't know the vehicle right. to their success. And they're just looking for something right. to throw their energy in. Right. And if they don't find it, sometimes they fall into something right. that's not great for them. Right. Whether it's, you know, your situation or just something else where it's, just uh, a job they dislike. Right. So it's like if you don't know your vehicle, it's hard to get to the end game. It's, it's hard. It's just tempting. But when you want to give up and quit and say, listen, this is not for me no more. I made enough money. I want out. It's hard to get out. Man. I wonder it's if someone t- taught you real estate. It's hard to get out, man. so much money yeah. coming in. It's just hard to get yeah. out. I thought about real estate. I wonder if someone taught you like where you'd be. But I mean, I, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah. But if like, you had that work ethic and someone yeah. grabbed you and said, yeah. listen, you're living with me. You have to go work on these properties. You knock on right. these doors. Right. Set this network right. and we're going to build an empire. Right. You know, but that's oh, you know what? Do I think about it, that lifestyle being like a drug dealer? That oh, like owning a barbershop, owning a car wash, owning tons of real estate. That's always the the the, the, the bigger the, the bigger picture and the bigger goal. Yeah. I thought about real estate at yeah, one time, yeah. but I'm like, yo, listen, I don't even have a high school diploma. How am I yeah. gonna go go pass an exam? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. that was the thing. So you, you self doubt yourself. Yep. You took your way out of that. You like, you know what? I have enough money to go put down money on a condo or a town buy or cash. House. You don't need, you know what I'm saying? So that was the thing. Like, you know, I can drive anything I want. So I, I think I was so much fascinated by my lifestyle mm-hmm. um, to the point where it's like, wow, this is what it is. You, you know what I'm saying? Up in it. Yeah. And to the point where it's like one day it just, it just, everything was over. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Every, my life changed. Everything was over. I, you know, I had a big investigation pending on me. The feds came knocking on my door. So is that yeah. ultimately how you got out of, yeah. my next question yeah. was going to be, yeah. how did you get out of the game. Yeah. The feds came knocking on my door. Um, it was under investigation. So they were following you for. Yeah. They, they surveilled for a while. me for about eighteen to twenty-four months. And you were wow. aware that they were surveilling you? I wasn't aware of because I got to the point in life where I just um, was not even pitching no more. I had like I was playing Nextel tag with someone else that was doing all the staring for me. Like, yo, go here, go there, and just was just selling to undercover, you know, not knowing. Um, and that's how the investigation kind of built up. And, you know, I remember them knocking on my door. I lived in the city at the time, and they kicked down the door, and that was it. Lights out. You was, know, lights there, out. was there any emotion that you can, you know, looking back on this now, the initial feeling that you felt? Were you, you were home when they came in? Yeah, I was, was home. There, like, what was the emotion? I, I literally got chills when you said that they busted through your door just yeah, because I'm getting nervous. What was the chills? I, I, had yeah. t- I had my girlfriend, and then her, her, her daughter was there at the same time, and it was just like, wow, like, you know, they kicked down the door. It was, you know, it was like a little bit like, wow, well, I wish they wasn't there, you know. Um, yeah. They came in. Like I said, they investigated me for 18 to 24 months. It was the feds. Um, then it was a part of a, a joint task force. So you had Peace Guild Police and then wow. you had uh, NYSPD. So there was no shot of escaping this thing? No, there was I mean, no shot of escaping. They needed the jurisdiction. The case happened out of Westchester, but they needed the jurisdiction to break state lines. So gotcha. that's why they got the NYSPD involved. And then they had the feds come eventually pick up the case, you know. But right. they joined task force. Um, for and me, what, what, age, what age was this, James? 
uh, had to be, uh, I think I was 19, 20 wow. when that happened. I get worried when a, a policeman pulls out behind me while I'm driving. Yeah, that Forget feeling that like your heart, your heart like yeah. drops. Like just hearing so the story, my heart's dropping. It's funny, the day before I got arrested, I felt like some car was following. It was like an X5 just following me. I'm like, why the this car following me? I was I was at a spot I usually go downtown, down on Broadway. It was for, for, called Floaty Miles. And I'm like at Floaty Miles having a dinner with my girlfriend. And then when we get out of there, she said, hey, well, let me get my nails done. When we get the nails done. And it was this car just telling around the block. And then I got a phone call from one of my connects. He's like, yo, c- can you come see me today? I went to go see him. And it's way uptown, Gun Hill. And the same car following him. I'm like, yo, what's going on? And then, like, the next day, it's just like, you know. So it probably was five, that four, car that yeah, was five, following Five, six in the morning, I get my door busted down. I'm like, holy shit. Wow. This is real, you know. And that kind of was, like, my eye opener, man. Yeah. That was, like, my eye opener. I was like, it's over. And I'm like, it's over. Like, I had a run. I had, like, a 10-year run, you yeah. know. I mean, you I, thought got, that I got internally? in trouble when I was, yeah. Yeah, internally, you were yeah, like, this is Yeah, I got in trouble it. when I was younger, but it was like everything got sealed as a juvenile. Mm-hmm. The juvenile used to finish. It was yeah. called, it's called a YL, so everything was sealed, you know. And um, and I had a long I had a long run, and it was like, oh, it's over. And I knew this was over. You know, the stuff that they confiscated, I just knew the cash they took, the jury they took, the cars that they, they uh, seized. I was like, it's over. Like, you know, and the funny thing about, like, prior to that, a month ago, prior to getting arrested, I was like, I want to get out. Oh. I just didn't know yeah, how to get out. You were looking for uh, maybe I, Yeah, I, I just didn't know how to get out. I just didn't know how to go out because you're just making so much money. You're enjoying a lifestyle. And then I'm dating women that's just like, they, you know, why would you give give all this up? You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like, you know. Yeah, the farther in the, you get, the harder it is to get yourself out. And the out. thing is, I was taking care of like my family and everything else. Nobody questioned me like where the money was coming from. Like <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was just like, I went from like, like just being someone that was being very supportive for the family. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it was like, wow, like, not how that, can I get this up? You know? Not that this would have changed the outcome of it. But when you just said, you know, there was something telling me this. Right. I'm thinking back to Epi One when I had said, I'm going to stop snoozing on this voice that's in my head. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like we all have these little moments. Whether, and then again, whether it's a spiritual moment with God, we're not going to get into any right. anybody's personal religion or, you know, your faith. But I think it's interesting that people that you speak to in terms of their adversity and their struggles always whether I'm reading the story or I'm hearing the story, they say there was something that was telling me. There's something that was telling me. So I think there's, there's a lesson for people. When you start hearing that voice, start to follow it a little bit more, yeah, whether listen. it's on a big scale or a small right. scale. So that's just interesting that you, that you said that. I, I think it was hard for me. I definitely wanted to listen to my conscience, my self-conscious. But, but the, the rewards end, were too good. Right, right. It was rewards too good. And then the people I surrounded myself with, like, dude, they was getting money. I was getting money. We was mm-hmm. always like... It was just like like no nobody in the crew or anybody I was hanging out with was like yo you gonna get out for real fam like you crazy it's a half, like yeah it's like yo dude they just mo- give you more momentum and go pop more bottles go right. get a better whip yeah. go get a bigger jewelry you know what I'm saying a bigger bracelet mm-hmm. so I think that's a bigger watch it's just was like yo listen I'm not surrounding myself with nobody that's really not in the game everybody I'm surrounding myself is in the game yeah it's in the game yeah. so it's just like wow how can I ever get out of this in my at, at the same time I wanted I wanted to get out I think your situation is like an extreme version of a lot of things people deal with that their voice in their heads telling them they want to do something different or make a change but they're so into their lifestyle and all their uh, liabilities and everything they have going on that they can't make the move where in the long term they'd be much happier and safer and whatever it is, but it's it's a extreme version of it. But I feel like a lot of people deal with your situation just not as crazy of a situation. Right, that's a good it's, point. It's funny you guys say that too. But at the end of the day, like you know, I think by getting incarcerated saved thing. my life. Best yeah. thing that ever happened to me. People say, "Yo, 
You, are you serious? Yeah, that's the best thing yeah. that ever happened to me because it slowed me down. It made me realize because I was moving 100 miles per hour. Yeah, and at such a young age. Yeah, at a young age. And, How and long were you incarcerated for total? So total, I was incarcerated for eight years. And this wow. is now federal prison? It was state and federal. Okay, so, so what, what is the difference between jail and, a pr- and prison? Good question. So jail, county jail is just a, a lockup detention center. Like you could be placed up to county jail for two years on a okay. sentence. Or you could be pending on a case for, you know, till you go to trial or whatever. You could, you could stay in the county jail for like six, seven years. I've seen people stay there seven years the most. Okay. Um, for my case, I only stayed there 18 months fighting my case. Um, and then going to prison, it's like you locked up, you sentenced. This is where you're, this is you're going to be at for now. And it depends. Like you can get transferred during that process too as mm-hmm. well. Um, but yeah, I was, you know, basically I, f- I was fighting my case, and um, I so said, so mentally you were like, it's I'm done with that life. Now done, you yeah. were like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. I'm gonna start fighting my case. That yeah, was the yeah, yeah. I, I said, I, I, basically, I told myself I'm not going back. And you know, you 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 know, and then the thing you run to people in county jail like, yo, half, what's up? Like you still like got that name? <laughs> people mm, like, yo, yeah. fam, you got locked up. Yo, wow. Yeah. People want to get in your business. People want to know what's going on. Like, are you going to go back out there and do the same thing? Like, what happened to all your cars? Like, mm. you get you meet people that's yeah. doing skid bids or coming in six month, viol- you know, probation violation. And I had this name that I everyone in a, in a distinct feature. It's right. hard to lay and low lot, when you're, right. you know. And a lot of people knew me out throughout Westchester. So, you know, people like, you know, everyone's like, yo, that's the man. That's half. Yo, half got locked up. So it was like a big, like, so I was still trying to kind of like disguise and trying to live up to that name still while I was in jail. But mm. like, and deep inside, I'm like, yo, this is not what I want to do man and then I think I kind of changed within my first year being a county going back and forth fighting my case and the conversation I would have with like people that would come in from the neighborhood or people from outside the neighborhood they're like yo are you for real like why you want to change your lifestyle why you want to go back and they didn't believe in my vision I said I'm going to go home and do something great with myself I'm going to turn it around and they didn't even believe that that's amazing. They didn't even believe that, and then, like the conversation was just like too weird for them. They didn't even want to have mm-hmm. a conversation with me anymore. If it didn't, ha- if it was a drug related or street related or anything to do with any gossip, and I think I just started transitioning into a different person. Did you know what you wanted to do? If not not the point. I, I had a, I wanted to go back into the entertainment business. I definitely okay. wanted to start half entertainment, get it going. I remember talking about that once I got sentenced and I went to a federal facility. I was in Lewisburg, um, in Pennsylvania. That's where I got placed at. And I got there, and I met a couple of like-minded people. You know that ha- you know had 15 years, had 10 years coming off these type of bids, and had some ambitions to do some real big things and out in the world. So you just said like-minded people, and I want to go there because I think I know the answer to this question. But before you were saying, you know, everybody that you were hanging around was was doing the same exact thing, right? Right. And you are the, you know, whatever percentage it is, but you are who you hang around, right? Were those guys ever there for you when you were then behind bars? Oh, no, nah, man. Everything changed, man. You lose girls. You lose friends. The only close people that was around me were just my mother, my sister, and my close family. Yep. You know? So everybody um, who everybody was thriving off of that lifestyle is now ghosts. So that's a yeah, big lesson yeah. for people, you know, especially the younger people who listen to this. I yeah. know we have a couple of uh, high school followers. They, oh, yeah. They've reached out to us. But that is a major takeaway. Hang around people who are doing the things that you want to do and that you want to live by those same codes. Absolutely. So tell us about the influence, you know, the positive influence now that you you saw and you kind of lived in prison. Well, when I got to when I got to Lewisburg, it was like a different ball game, you know, um I got there and I'm like, wow, I'm going to change my lifestyle and what I want to do in life and I had a different perspective because there were so many things. I, first of all, I had to go in there and they, you know, if I didn't have a GED, I had to go to school to get a GED. 
And if you didn't have a GED, if you did have a GED, you have to work. You have to do some type of like Labor. work on a, on a facility. Um, didn't have my GED. Wasn't looking to get my GED. Um, I end up getting a job. I end up becoming yard detail. So I clean up around the yard. I go to different units, take out, take away the garbage and stuff like that. Do my thing doing that. And then during the day, I go to GED. I didn't get my GED in there. Um, but they had so many different classes, man. They had like how to repair credit, how to do stocks. It was just if you wanted to go to college, they put you to Ohio State University. Like you know, uh, if you that's had really GED, good to hear. It was, it, I mean, and I and I people, I tell people all the time when I do have these conversations, jail do re- rehabilitate you, man. If you really be open minded enough to get ahead in life and do the right thing for yourself. But I kept telling myself I was tired of being weak and I was tired of being like alone. And I felt alone when I was making money at the same time. I wasn't very happy. And I'm like, I got to do something better with my life. So I took advantage of what they had there. I actually met one of my best friends, my mentor in federal prison. You know, he he was a guy, was a blue collar crime guy. He had a mortgage company, over 80 different branches. You know, he built a $20 million business just by himself but he had to build a team he would tell me stories about when he was out there and had these mortgage companies and how well he was doing for himself and his nephew turned him in you know he fired his nephew his nephew turned him into the irs because his nephew did his books for him Mm. and that was like kind of setback for him but his 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 crime wasn't really that serious it was like tax evasion Mm -hmm. got i think he got a year for that but we became really best friends kept in contact and he kind of like schooled me gave me a lot of like mentor advice like dude like listen you got a lot of potential you got great energy you know um something so to happen you know me and my mentor build a really great bond because i mean one day being on a compound and like yo dude it's my birthday he said get out of here it's my birthday so even wow building connection wow and um and he's the dj when he was like living in pennsylvania and he's going to school in poconos to hustle extra money so we had a lot in common but this guy was like very determined. Very was he motivated. older than you? Very older. He's like Rick. His name is Rick Harsh. Um, Rick. Yeah, he was had to be like in his forties when okay. I was when he um, came to Lewisburg. Are you guys still in touch today? Oh, every day we talk. Oh, that's we amazing. Talk every day, man. And um, and he came back home, build build back up his success, bought his old mansion back, got two Falcon planes. He his he, he his clients is Johnson and Johnson, Thurman Thomas, and this guy just you know. It's incredible, man. I That's, get a lot of my inspiration, my motivation from that guy. I text him every single day. He has three uh, karate schools in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Amazing stuff, yeah. man. I, I like hearing yeah. that. So, so that's, you know. Yeah, w- were you able to now, and, and this is kind of jumping a little bit forward, so now let's, you know, let's let's move out of the, the prison system. Knowing you, you know, I've known you for about eight to ten years now through uh, through Marky Carter, right? So yeah. Shout out, Mark. <laughs> uh, but, we, you know, we, we've gotten close, so I know this about you now. You're, you're a successful trainer. And you're also a successful author. Mm. Did you find passion, you know, when you were behind bars for both fitness and then writing? I, I think when I came home, I'll be honest with you, when I got released from federal prison, I didn't know what's going to happen. Okay. You know, I was a convicted felon, you mm. know, especially mm-hmm. being a high school dropout, had no skills in trade. I didn't know what I want to do in my life. And that's when I really kind of like started self-doubting myself. I'm like, Yo, I came too far and, you know, built build up you know my confidence and my my courage to go back out in the community to do the right thing so i told myself i'm give myself a second chance and do the right thing but you know the f- i kind of like you know was always like someone that visualized and like very animated and i never thought about being an author but i thought about writing my life story at one time and personal training came in apart because in lewisburg they had a like a ghost gym in there 
and I would work out every single day with Rick. And that's how I got involved in working out. I was never big into training myself because I was overweight. I was 215 pounds. I lived a destructive lifestyle most of my my life prior to, like, when I started dealing drugs. You know, that became alcohol, liquor, not taking care of myself, so let the weight gain. Um, tried to go to the gym back and forth. Didn't happen in the world. But when I got into federal prison, I started running. I started working out every single day. My body just started to change, and I felt more confident. And... I remember at the same time in federal prison, they was offering um, personal training certifications. And you get a discount, especially if you was with the government. Mm-hmm. I didn't take it there, but a lot of dudes were taking personal training certifications, spin instructor certification. They had all that there. When I got back out into the world, I actually had a friend that was killing it down in um, 43rd and 3rd Avenue on a New York sports club. He was doing like 190 sessions a month, and he just came home. He kind of gave me inspiration, and he actually had his got his certification. He said, dude, here's some money. Get your certification to become a trainer. I got you. So I was like, I sat on it for like six, seven months. Didn't really want to take the test. Took the money, bought the certification. I actually purchased my first certification. I actually started digging into it. I actually passed it. Didn't do nothing with it. I got released from federal prison in 2012. I passed the test 2013. I didn't really do nothing with the certification to 2015. Wow. Um, I decided to say, you know what? I'm going to go into the personal training field. I worked at a small uh, small gym in, in Rye, mm-hmm. West, in Westchester County, called Personal Trainer, uh, Rye Brook Personal Trainer. I uh, worked there for about six, seven months. And then I um, left there because wasn't growing, wasn't really learning anything. And I ended up going to the New York Sports Club um, and another, another gym in Westchester and did really well there. Became very successful, started doing about 150, 150 sessions a month there. What's like an average amount of sessions for like a trainer? So I, I mean, get a little the, context. I mean, the I gym I was at in Dallas Ferry, there was the top trainer doing 300, 320 sessions a month. So oh, I don't wow. And that was like too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I started telling myself, I started, I've been there for about two years and I'm like, wow, man, I can do my own thing. And mm-hmm. then I was in the process where I was going to open up my own gym. And then just, you know, and then I started doing like talks, motivational talks everywhere. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start writing books. I'm going to start writing books, which Dave actually got me into motivational speaking because he invited me to his workspace and said, listen, there's a group of young kids that can use your message. That was and your first talk? That was my first talk. Wow. And I'm like, Dave, man, I don't know. <laughs> he said, James, man, you got a great story. I'm like, I don't know, man. I remember coming to Dave like with a six-page letter. He's like, dude, man. Yeah, just, he convinces you know, me to do stuff all the time. Dude, he said, this is not what it is. But Dave kind of got me comfortable doing that. And nice. I'm like, you know what? And I went there, and it w- went really well with me and another speaker. The other speaker that was supposed to come didn't show up. So just spotlight was just me and on one of his other close friends. Mm-hmm. And we, I actually did my thing. His friend did his thing, and it was like it just. I just felt connected with felt these right. kids. Yeah, I, f- I felt connected with the whole thing. It was like wow. Were you nervous before that first? Yeah, talk? I was. I was. I definitely was nervous. A bit, yeah. I was a little nervous, and then I got comfortable with Davis. Like always, oh, say yo, it's laid back, it's chill, fam. Like you know, <laughs> yeah, always yeah. give me that. So just tell your. St- I always told just him, tell, just yeah, tell, tell your, your story. story. Nobody can write your story. Yeah, yeah. you know, be you. just be yeah. you. But Dave actually got me into that, the motivational speaking, and you know, and I never thought about just going around telling my message. I never thought about that bigger mm-hmm. picture. And then next week. I get a call from Yonkers District, like, dude, we need you to come speak. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I'm it's, like, whoa. It's amazing how so that I happens. came to Dave and like, yo, Dave, you know what? I just did this talk. I got Yonkers reaching out to me. So I did that. And then after that, I just been a game changer. Yeah. But the one thing I said, you know what? I was going back into the community and talking about overcoming adversities. And I'm like, you know what? 
I need to touch the little ones because I have a story where I can actually help the little ones too as well about being bullied, about acceptance and exclusion. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to write a children's book. And that's how the children's book got in, into play because I'm like, you know what? Let me talk about my personal experience and communicate in a way where kids can get it. And well, well, you wrote the book you wanted right. when you were a kid, right? Right. So it's full circle. Right. You were writing a book that if you were a little kid and you had that book, right. you might be a different person. But well, you turned out great, but you get what I'm saying. But the thing is, I wrote the book, but I wrote the book as being like a kid's lit, but not like awareness book. I'm like, whoa. I started doing more and more presentation. The book became more and more popular as awareness. Like, we need, to do, we need you to do assemblies or, or, or a, a session or workshops on this book. So then it just became like, wow, we need that boy behind the face into our school mm -hmm. so now what i'm doing now with the book that's what i that's why i started i wrote the book the boy behind the face just being different personal experience but it's truly teaching kids and adults how to truly be the best self you know what i'm saying and that's what i want to teach you know that's my whole mission in life is teaching people how to be the best self no matter where you come from no matter what adversities you had hardships or anything in life you know we all go through something we all have struggles but our stories might be different but we can relate mm -hmm. yeah in all in, in all one way so I, that's another side that i tapped into is just telling my personal story about being different you know james i want to highlight and this is amazing stuff thank you so much for for sharing it i'm looking at mike's face kind of when he's hearing a little it. mind blown yeah no no it, it is it is and, and i, I just want to take people though through the process so when you explain the story i'm hearing it though and it was very strategic if when you look back at it so take it back to the gym now you you first got into a small private gym, right? So you learned the ins and outs of that. Mm -hmm. Then you well, said, not a private gym, a big box gym. You know, no, 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 no. Before, oh yeah, the private. I'm sorry, right? Sorry, so, sorry, so yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. so in book personal training center, yeah. right? So that was a smaller scale gym. Right. So you learned the ins and outs of that, and you said, you know what? I think I can go a little bit bigger. Right. Now, boom! You went to New York Sports Club, which is a big chain, and I firsthand witnessed what he was doing in there and he was literally changing lives but on a on a big big scale so now he saw that corporate side of things and that sparked it to where he was like you know what i think i can do this on my own mm -hmm. happened to not go that gym route but took uh, the process of learning both sides of it and now you applied it into something where you're doing the um, the writing and the motivational speaking. Oh, yeah, speaking. absolutely. And you know what the reason why i went to new york sports club and changed life and crushed it because that small gym wasn't like the New York Sports Club. It was a private gym. You had to build your own business. You had to go out there and prospect. And what I had was personality, and I knew how to go out there and go get it, but I didn't know how to do the follow-up, the the, the the call drives and everything else. But I learned that from that small gym. Mm. And when I got to that big box gym, and they had larger, a larger audience, first of that, I became a, it was just no-brainer for me. Like, oh, listen, mm. I'm going to get everybody that's on the treadmill, elliptical, yep. everybody on the floor to train with me. Or I'm gonna give them my personality and who I am and why why I'm not training with this trainer. That and is that's what I learned from key. that small box gym. That. You know, the ambition, going there, driven, not you know, you know, going there with my blinders. Like, listen, you know, I'm going in there like it's my last. I was hungry. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's how I went to that big box gym in New York Sports Club and crushed it the way I did and say, you know what. I can be doing this on my own. Mm. You, yeah. you, you know, we talk, Mike and I talk about this all the time, but I, I feel that it's, there's an, it, life happens in three phases of you attacking things. Mm -hmm. You know, first you're motivated, then you're inspired, and then you have the all out drive. For, since I've known you, that drive has just spoken for you. You speak that through your energy every single day. So I think it's important for people to, 
to understand that even on the days that you don't want to be doing those things, if you're applying it to your business, James was so, so successful because he was bringing his energy every single day. He took it upon himself to say, you know what? I'm leaving my personal stuff. I'm sure there were things that he was going through in his life. But every single day when he walked through those doors at 4.50 a.m., it was not just have a good day. James has a, a the best day. Had the best day every right. day. That's my new thing. Yep. Had the best day every day. And it's you know, no the best day ever. You it, know? it is no. It, there's no in between with him. So he leaves all his personal stuff at home, and I think that's something valuable to take away for all of us. Because I know we go to work. It's like, oh man, I'm going through X, Y, Z, and I instead of saying, you know, good morning, yeah. how are you? It's yeah. just like, hey, how you doing? Hey, hey, good morning. How are you? Goes a long way. And that's one thing I learned. But the thing is, Dave, it's not for me personally. It's not the motivation or leave things at home. I didn't want to go back to the disgusting moments that I've been through. I've been through a lot of challenges, a lot of hardships. And like, listen, the best way to get through it, I don't never want to go back to where I was at. So that's how I get ahead in life every single day. My accomplishments, you know, I, I congratulate myself. I cherish the moment and I move on like I never even earned a thing in my life. I just keep going. That's the thing, man. And I don't want to go back to where I was at. How how can you put out a message to somebody who may say, wow, you know what? I really like this story and I love what you guys are talking about on the No Snooze podcast and this whole community. But unfortunately, I haven't gone through adversities and struggle in my life in terms of my upbringing or something along those lines. What would be your message to push, you know, the everyday Joe the everyday Sally who has just grown up very typical. Don't take life for granted. Um, That's a good one. Don't take life for granted. Uh, be much appreciated and, and show a lot, lots of gratitude on life because just because you've never been through that, we don't know when, we don't know as human beings when adversities and hardships are going to hit us. Mm. So just because you've never been through it, it can happen. Put challenges in front of yourself. Put challenges in front of yourself and every day try to shake things up in your life and and keep getting after it but don't never quit that's an amazing piece and 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 it's true and it's different now coming from james because when we speak on it you know it's kind of like oh yeah that's that's mike and dave your story is absolutely incredible compared to ours so i always talk about fitness because that's a very easy way to put challenges in front of yourself and david goggins there's this there's this video that always just plays in my head and, and he's running and he's just like, you, you got to put challenges in front of yourself. Yeah. So for the everyday person who's out there who didn't grow up like that and you are interested in doing more in your business, more in your relationships, yeah. more in anything in life, you have to put challenges in front of yourself. Right. And fitness is a very easy way to do that. Right. You know, just get up and start getting after it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Jocko. Do you ever listen to Jocko Willink? Willink, I think his name is. Yeah. He's the Navy SEALs dude. That, um, uh, I know. I, I think I, I heard of Jocko. Oh, you've definitely I, I, heard I his stuff. Yeah. yeah, I never heard. But I, his his like big theme is discipline equals freedom. Right. And I think the fitness is a good way to establish discipline right. because it's very literal. It's like right. you either did your push ups or you didn't do your push ups. Right. It's not like oh, I tried to grow my business, which growing business is great, but it's harder to quantify. Right. Whereas a rep, you can right. know if you did the rep. It's or all not. about life. Is all about repetition. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying life yeah. is all about you know what you can do in that moment, right? So you you just gave me the story like so, someone who never had challenging hardships, but it might be harder to, for them to go into the gym. Mm-hmm. When I tell people like that, just be more accepted, be more available, and become more less become less become soft, you know, and be and be more open minded to things. You know, most people like that don't be open minded to things. They don't want challenges. They don't want. To, they don't know how to shake things up in their life. They're just so used to doing what they used to doing yeah 
So that might be a little bit of a challenge for them. But I said, you know, just tell them to try something new every day or just try something simple, you know? Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about yoga? I've been, I've been trying to. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been interested. In Mike, Mike had a really funny story uh, that, he, that he told about the yoga. Mm-hmm. But if you're not into fitness, I'm not a yogi person at all. What has yoga brought you? Because I, I I know you've you like that term yogi, yogi, right? I'm not a yogi. You're not a yogi person. I'm not, movie guy. I'm not a movie guy. I'm not a yogi. But I know, Jan, and it was always just interesting to me because you see this really really fit guy, and I'm like, there's no way my man looks like that it's off of limber. doing yoga. But you, anybody who you talk to who does partake in yoga they have some amazing takeaways from it and uh, i think maybe that gratitude piece and getting in, in tune with your emotions can you yeah. speak on that a little bit oh yeah yoga yoga man for me personally i started yoga maybe about six years ago and i started and i didn't know nothing about yoga i just wanted something that was going to challenge me and i like you know i wanted to get away from the neighborhood just getting out of prison mm-hmm. um i started kundalini so i'll give you a little bit what is that kundalini is a different Italian? That it's sounds a, like, nah, it's it's like an uncle type, of mine. Pasta? It's a different type of yoga. Reg. I didn't even know. I didn't even know nothing about Kundalini, but I would travel to Nyack twice a week to do this Kundalini. Is that a style of yoga, James? Yeah. What yeah. Is, so it's a spiritual style. It's a spiritual style of yoga, but spiritual and physical. But it helps you with your breathing, and it got they call something the third eye. I did it for about a year. It wasn't really for me, and then I found Vyasa. Which is like a more flow, mm. more okay. flow, and setting your intentions on where you want to be in life, and um, just pushing through. I never looked at it as like, okay, I'm I'm a guy, I'm doing yoga. I, I was this guy before doing yoga. I just did it. I did it. it you just tried me. it. You jumped right in. I, I jumped right into it, and it, and it changed my life. It changed my mental st- state of mind. It it gave me a, a more of a awareness about who I am and where I want to go with my life. But it kept me calm, and it changed the way I wanted to be in life. Like it gave me a different vision. And it opened up so many doors for me. It, I, you know, I, I challenge, I challenge, you know, I challenged myself in so many different ways. And then from Beyonce, I tried Bikram, mm. which, is is hot, which is just a different type of uh, oh, I just a level that of yoga. Documentary you know? too. They I call it hot yoga now. Yeah. Bikram. Well, they the changed outs. the name Hot Hit Hot Yoga. I mean, yeah, I've been yeah. doing yeah. Bikram for a long yeah. time. Did you see before that documentary? Bikram, yeah, before Bikram. Um, you watched it? Yeah, yeah. I did. I swear. I'm not a movie guy, Mike. I'm a documentary Dave. Documentary Dave. Have happened? But I was doing Bikram for a while, and it's very intense. The hot, right? Yeah, it's 107 degrees. It's 26 poses, and that's a different level, man. Um, it took me a while to kind of like really get into Bikram, but one thing about Bikram, it got me my first uh, media outlet from Channel 12 News. Really? I met Michelle Brown in Bikram Yoga. Wow. Because at the cool. time, a lot of professional athletes, the NFL players, were doing Bikram. Mm-hmm. You know, you, now you're starting to hear now about athletes doing yoga and stuff like that. But um, she came to me and said, yo, what team do you play for? <laughs> I said, well, I don't play for any team. I'm just a guy who's doing speaking and um, personal training at the time. And I worked a crappy job. And she's like, wow, we want to do an interview on you. Let me see, can I do a story? I said, better yet, I got a call from a school in the Bronx, and, and I called her up, and I said, listen, I got a school in the Bronx. You want to come? She said, sure. And it, that's how I got my first, like, real, like, uh, media outlet from Bikram Yoga. See, I don't think, yeah. again, yeah, you know, I'm so, not going to be too spiritual <laughs> here, but I don't think that just happens no. like that. No, you set yourself up. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, yeah. you're doing things. You're taking actions, yeah. and then things are coming back to you right. by you doing that. I think just being more open-minded and, and just challenging yourself and network leads to net worth. But So that's the thing. Like You have to put yourself in. I know I liked you. You <laughs> have to put yourself into in uncomfortable positions but be yeah. open and open to different things like so by me going to Bikram got me that right. media outlet yeah. that opened up so many other doors for me because now I use that on my resume right. like you know and then mm-hmm. working with other people from that but it, it challenged me but now I just stick with uh, Vyasa I do about two to three times a week 
I love it what it do for my body. You know, it gives me the flexibility, gives me the range of motion. I you need know, some yoga in my life. It yeah, keeps me, me healthy. It keeps me healthy and young, man. And it, and it keeps my body nice and toned. And um, I mean, once you start doing yoga, it's always going to be a different pose that's always going to challenge you. Do you do it in the morning or at night? I, I prefer time? the morning. I morning. prefer the morning. But uh, if I can get in the night class, I do it. But how, how long are the classes you take? It's usually forty-five minutes or an hour. That's good. But it's a it's a simple flow. It's yeah. a simple flow, really just setting attentions on yourself and how you want your day or how you want your life to be. It's, it's on you. It's your space. And when you're in the class, are they like, think about something you want to do today or do they talk Depending about on the instructor. Every instructor is not good. I got I go to good, the top instructors that really give you something that, you know, that you need to set your attentions on and, and why you should appreciate your life a little bit more and value the things that you have around you and nice. really kind of connecting into your roots. Because I tried the meditation yeah. just by myself and yeah. my mind runs way too much to yeah. do it by myself. But if someone's there, like in a yoga right. class, right. much easier. I use for meditation, I use an app called Headspace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I tried I've, it. And I've been using Headspace for about a year and a half now. Before yeah, Headspace, Headspace I was just using, uh, I was doing Kundalini, so that was more like the mental. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. Every time you say Kundalini. Yeah, but I was, I'm, I'm, I'm that, that was hungry. the mental, you know, mental stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Headspace is, is, is awesome because you can do from 30 seconds to 10 minutes. You know, mm -hmm. I started off doing 30 seconds and then I, I built my way up to three minutes. Another good point you bring up. Don't you don't have to just dive right yeah. into something that is too overwhelming. Yeah. Start yeah, small. Problem. We yeah. talk about yeah. this all the time. That's we the did. Thing. Yeah, we did an epi on goals and Mike and I were cutting each other off going back and forth. But here he is looking at like the long, long, long term goal, which is phenomenal because he's going to get there. Right. Right. But my piece to him and to myself, what I try to live by is just breaking it down to little tangible things mm -hmm. that you can use as momentum to ultimately get you to the bigger goal. Oh, absolutely. Goal. Because at the end of the day, there's going to be days you don't want to meditate. There's going to be days you forget to meditate. So that's the thing. You start, you know, you don't want to put all that pressure on yourself. Mm -hmm. So I, always, I have a saying, too, is like, uh, think small, win big. You know what nice. I'm saying? Think small, win big it's all the time. I think, you know, taking a little micro movements and, and really getting to learn yourself and see if meditation is for you because you might have to go in a different direction. Some people like to go on a sauna to yeah. meditate. Some people like to, you know, just really do certain things, like other things. Just read a book is a peace of mind. Anything you get in peace of mind is meditation. When yeah. you are taking long walks for like an hour or to two hours and just reflecting on life. And that's what I got more into now. Like really like, you know, I work out every other day, but every other day I'm either doing yoga or I'm taking long walks and reflecting on life and really kind of connecting more into myself and see what, how, where I want to go in life. And then the person I just do, and then the other days I'm doing like strength training. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely really kind of tapping into myself a lot more as I'm getting older and, and developing myself a little bit more of a growth and um, seeing where I want to be at, you know. And you say you do, you never want to go back. Is that a big? Is that the biggest motivation for you? Is you just know how hard it was prior, and now that you're in a better space and oh, it's the other half yeah. of your life so far yeah. has been oh, positive. I like that. There you go. Half. Um, I'd be, yeah, yeah. For me personally, like the the challenges and the journey, it, it it was it was all worth it, man. I'd be honest with you because I don't think if I didn't challenge myself the way I I, I don't think I have so much strength and positivity right mm -hmm. now. Um, because I and had hustle, to, I had hustle. I had to go through all that. I always had to hustle because I I was you know to, you know to pick up a pack and 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 get people to buy your product. You had to yeah. you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. and you had competitors and competition. Slinging so memberships for, must yeah, be yeah. easy compared to that, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, what's your saying? Books. Don't you have another saying? And once you went from selling, oh, from selling dope to selling hope. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing for selling dope, selling hope. Man. I need some more yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's not good. Selling dope, selling well, hope. Yeah, Mike is mediocre. I have a yeah, joke with him. Yeah, he calls me mediocre Mike because he's trying to get me motivated. <laughs> Mike is Greek. Did you know his name is Mediocrity? Mediocrity. And uh, Ten Page Dave. <laughs> yep, that's me. And Pablo Placard. But I actually like the Ten Page because <laughs> right. that. Thank you. I, I'm not. Thank I'm not you. a big reader. Thank you. I'm not a big reader, but you actually op- open my mind up just by reading ten pages a day for the year adds up. Thank you. And James. that's the thing. It adds I, up to one book. Listen, I'm. A, I'm, no, a, I'm, no, a, I'm, no. a, I'm. I'm an audible guy. See, you're an audible guy too. See, I'm an audible guy, but like when I listen to Epi. That's right. Yeah, 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 I was like, whoa, this is like that gave me a different perspective. Like you hear about reading up to 15 minutes a day, but like 10 pages a day is like, okay, that's good because you're actually taking the knowledge, which is very important too. And like, and then you're not putting too much pressure on yourself because we talked about that Mm -hmm. small movements and then winning big. But like the thing is, you do 10 pages a day, it's it's good. It don't don't matter if you finish the book in a year or six months or some people's quick readers finish the book in two, three days. But Mm -hmm. like long as you go into that process and read in that book and getting it done and yeah. completing it yeah. that's what's important love you well, the you biggest know? thing yeah the yeah. biggest thing about that too is that realizing like the biggest thing i think about is it's not a race yeah. i always think that to myself you're not no. racing people to finish right. a book you're not racing well you're racing right. sometimes you gotta like, remember though mike you're not competing with anyone yeah, yeah you don't want that's, that's the biggest thing as being human being we, yeah. we put ourselves in these positions thinking we compete and that's you're one, doing your own one thing i learned that i'm not pleasing the community anymore I'm like, dude, like, I don't have nothing to prove to anybody back in my, my neighborhood. You yep. know what I'm saying? I yeah, don't got to go back you. and pull up with the latest whip or anything. I'm doing everything for myself and my family and what I got to do for me at the, the time being. I don't have no, I don't have to prove anything to anyone, mm-hmm. you know? That's, that's the thing. All not, from yoga, yeah, too, huh? Yeah. I got to start doing some yoga. Well, not all from yoga, no, but I, I think I think honestly, it's, 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 it's a warrior it's, it's too a, mindset. It's a mindset. Yeah. I think you have to develop. You develop that. It's not easy. And every day, life is a challenge. It's a process. Yeah. Every day is not easy, you know? But I, and like I told you, I remind myself, I don't want to go back to where I'm at. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's always a fight. Life is always going to be a fight. Things can just happen. James, I got, a, I got a question. So you, you spoke on your message that you you know want to put out mm-hmm. and it's an amazing one and, and kind of your vision i want to speak on your legacy quick well i want to ask you to speak on on your legacy so from you going into everything that you're involved in professionally djing motivational speaking successful author and a dj what's the legacy that you want to kind of leave behind or pass on and kind of live through there the legacy I want to leave behind is the boy behind the face being an author. I think the book has a message, and books is always going to last forever. Right. And being an author, and then creating more content, more series of this book is actually coming out now. Um, but I think it just is going to help so many people because I think people can always go back to that. Being a trainer, I'm only one person. But by put and being a DJ, I'm only one person. Oh, I, like that. I mean, I can leave legacy with the DJ and being a personal trainer, but the book is always going to be there. By being an author, the book is always going to be there. Mm-hmm. People always can go look up the boy behind the face, purchase it, even when I'm not around. You know, the book is still available for people. If right. people want to look up James McLeod, the boy behind the face will come up. And, you know, and if people want to see content, they can see content from the podcasts or just the school engagements or just me being who I am, just, you know, on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere. People always can find that. So I think that's that's the legacy that I want to leave on people is like, wow, James is, was a positive force. You know, James was definitely a positive force. Definitely and he's, you got to get a cartoon too. Yeah. 
Definitely. I'm working on that. Yeah, I'm working. I'm actually working on a superhero. I'm, wor- I'm actually oh, working nice. on like a superhero. You guys kind of gave me some inspiration too nice. when I seen the cartoon on the podcast. I'm like, <laughs> wow, I got to get me a cartoon going. But yeah. you know, I'm I had someone working on a cartoon, but the volume's not all the way there. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to get someone that can actually add. We got volume. a guy who's very good at cartoons. <laughs> like, right, you know what I'm saying? That, and just put, really put that together, you know, because I, I definitely wanted to do a YouTube channel where I was going to do daily affirmations, which nice. I was telling I'm going to put a book yeah. together and just have this cartoon of myself showing kids like, listen, wow, this guy is definitely different, but he got a cool lunchbox, he got a cape on, and he's giving us information for the day. I love this about James, though. So he, once he gets to one level, keeps level he up. just always challenges himself to just keep going and level mm-hmm. up. And, and that's what the no snooze lifestyle is, is all about. It's not just your fitness journey or, or your oh, business. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, this is yeah. everything in life. So it's, it's all so relatable. You have a large social media following. You're in schools. You're talking to kids, you know, all throughout the week. Mm-hmm. I see it every day. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Uh, you know, on Instagram and all well, that all, stuff. Well, yeah, on all platforms, you can find me at that vitiligo guy, which is T H A T V I T I L I G O G U Y. And then you can find me on my personal website, which is that vitiligo guy. Or you can look up the boy behind the face. You can find all my platforms from there as well. That's, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. So we're we, everywhere. Yeah. 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 So yoga class. So, yeah, yeah, yoga class. So yeah. Namaste. That's the name. When you namaste. Finish, namaste. 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 I like that. Namaste, Reg. <laughs> no, namaste. Not namaste. Namaste. Oh. namaste. Na pasta. Na, na pasta. <laughs> um, so, we, James, we have this thing at the end of uh, each epi where we go into, you know, a little quote or something to kind of leave people with. So this is going to bring us into Dave's Dime of the Week. Dimes, dimes, dimes. <laughs> if you're lucky enough to get a chance at something, don't waste it. Ooh, that's a good one. That's Ooh, a very like good that. one. I like that. So Mike's Miguel's Mantras of the Week is what consumes your mind controls your life. I like that one. And James, we're going to put you on the spot here. We're going to hit you with James Gems. Gems. My thing is here. Smile and let your happy shine. I love it. Guys, that's a wrap. Until next time, stop snoozing. Get up and get after it. That's another Epi in the Books. Go follow us on Instagram and Facebook at No Snooze Podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, No Snooze. Come on. Come on. If you want to inquire about potential sponsorship and or collaboration, reach out to us at nosnoozepodcast at gmail.com or message our Instagram page, which is at nosnoozepodcast.